Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationship, or just your life, this is the place for you. We will talk all things burnout by sharing deep stories of personal transformation each week with a new guest who vows to share their stories without leaving out the scary bits. This is raw, honest, and brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Denovan, whose own experiences make her determined to change the current burnout culture. Hi, everybody. You are about to listen to the last episode that will be released in 2019. The last two weeks of the year will be a time for reflection for both you and me. So I won't be releasing another episode until January 6th, and you can look forward to that. For now, this will be the last one of the year, which feels crazy to me. This journey has brought me so much more than I ever expected, and I am amazed by the feedback that I have gotten and the emails and the messages and the text messages and the DMs and Instagram, and I am just so, so grateful for the community and the movement that we are creating together. So I really wanted to take a moment at the end of the year and let you know how very, very, very grateful I am for your listening, for your attention, for your feedback, because the more I hear from you, the better I feel about what I'm doing. It, it's just something magical that we're creating um, while we're trying to end burnout culture for everyone. So I wanted to say thank you and enjoy your holidays, whichever ones you celebrate or if you don't celebrate. And be sure to keep your boundaries and take care of yourself as you see maybe, you know, possibly more family in the upcoming weeks. And I will be talking to you again come January. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. Today, my guest is Maggie Rays, and Maggie is a life coach and modern marriage mentor who helps smart women have better marriages. If you have tried workshops and counseling and feel like nothing sticks, working with Maggie will show you how you can totally transform your relationship by focusing on working on yourself instead of trying to change your partner. Her romantic yet practical approach to love and marriage has appeared in numerous publications, including Brides, Bustle, Lifehacker, Martha Stewart Weddings, and the nationally syndicated radio show Daybreak USA. You can find her online at maggierays.com. That is M-A-G-G-I-E-R-E-Y-E-S.com or on Facebook in the Better Marriage Club. Maggie, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to having this deep conversation with you. I think it's so needed. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And I totally agree. We've started every show by inviting our guests to share their story. So I will just invite you now to, to do the same. Awesome. So I'm not really sure. And so I'm going to start in the middle and then you can guide me around. Sure. The edges. Um, so currently I'm a life coach and I used to work in HR and I used to work in HR in hospitality and I worked with a luxury ship who, that travels all over the world. It's amazing. Never repeats an itinerary in like two years. And I was the HR and recruitment manager there and I worked in the office, but it was very much a 24 seven operation. And 
one of the things that happened, a couple of things, is we had a passion for excellence, which I still remain having. And the team was super, super committed to always showing up for each other, which on the one hand was great. And on the other hand, ultimately led me to really get burned out and tired and really exhausted. Um, and I didn't even know what was happening. If you've heard that story of the frog, you know, how do you, you put the frog in a, in a, in a, on the in stove. In a pan of cold water. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, and you warm it up and the frog doesn't even know that it's being boiled. But if you like, if you put it out all at once, the frog will jump right out because it'll know it's being boiled. But if you do it little by little, you don't even feel it. And that was what happened to me. And I remember my husband sat me down one day and said, I'm worried about you. Oof. That was like the cold water on my face that like woke me up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we just met, but you've kind of got to know me a little bit. And I'm a very passionate, enthusiastic person. That's natural. Like my set point is like, I'm excited about life. Right. That's like my set point. <laughs> and he said, I don't see that enthusiasm. It's like the light in your eyes has been dimmed. <gasps> Caitlin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I'm so grateful to him for sitting me down and for saying that to me because it really just made us rethink how we wanted to approach my professional life. And, and now I run my own business and that's you know, a, whole, a whole other story we'll talk a little bit about because my biggest fear when I started my business wasn't what many other people have as their biggest fear. I didn't want to reproduce what I had created in my corporate life. That was my fear. I didn't want to burn myself out again. So that was an interesting thing to manage. So anyway, he sat me down and, and I really took that to heart. And then we made some decisions and I had, I had already gone to life coaching school and I knew that eventually I was going to go out on my own. And we really sort of moved up that timeline um, as a result, really of burnout. Yeah. When you were in that stage, did you feel different and not notice? Or when he said that, did you know what that felt like in your body? Like, did you recognize what he was saying? When he said it to me, I recognized what he was saying immediately. Yeah. But before he said it to me, I knew that I was tired. I knew that I wasn't at 100%, but I didn't realize to what extent that had mm -hmm. happened. And then once you, once that realization hit, what were your symptoms and what was happening in you besides being tired and not your normal enthusiastic self? So one of the things that I remember used to happen a lot is we like to do things together and go out. We don't have kids. So we, you know, we do things that are fun things. And I remember saying no a lot oh. because I needed to rest and needing to rest and need, like rest became a factor in my life. Like it had never been before. That is one of the things I remember the most about that time. Was it, so for, this has been interest. this is interesting to me because for me, it wasn't, um, I did need the rest, but it was more that I didn't have the energy to be with people. And so I didn't want to go out because I didn't want to have to engage. Mm -hmm. Interesting. For me, it was really, I would say exhaustion. I, yeah. I didn't, when I'm out, I do engage with people and I enjoy engaging with people, but I just 
didn't want any part of it. <laughs> any part of it. Yeah. None of it. Did you have any physical symptoms at that time? I, so this is kind of funny. So later, once I was out on my own and really recovering from burnout, I went to the doctor, of course, much later. I should have gone much earlier. But don't do what I did. Listeners, go now. If you're listening to this podcast and you think you might have some burnout, just see your doctor now. Yes, so, I totally agree. And it's something that I encourage people to do all the time. If you yeah. are feeling burnt out, go see your doctor. Get a full physical done. Make sure your bloods are done. Make sure you know what's happening. And if the bloods come back normal, that's okay. We can figure it out. But if you find out that you're simply vitamin D deficient or slightly anemic, fix that first and then we'll deal with the rest. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's so important. So I went to the doctor eventually. Eventually I went <laughs> and I was convinced that I, you know, web indeed myself and I was convinced that I had adrenal fatigue. I was right. just convinced that that's what I had. And then my doctor sat me down and said, "Why don't we check the basics first? How are you sleeping?" what's going on? And I said, well, you know, I wake up tired and he said, why don't we do a sleep test? I said, okay, sounds good. So they put this thing on my finger. I, I got this special machine and it was really all very high tech and <laughs> very Star Trek-y, which I was very excited. And I put this thing on my finger and I slept with it on and I took it back to the office the next morning and they, the test results came in and I had mild sleep apnea. Oh. And I didn't even know that I had that and had I not gone to the doctor, I never would have found out. So now I sleep with a sleep machine, a mm -hmm. with a CPAP, and I wake up without an alarm earlier than I've ever woken up in my life, like all the time. Just <laughs> naturally rested. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you found that out at that time. Yeah. So your husband came in and said, yeah. your light is dimmed. Yeah. I don't see the sparkle in you. Yeah. And you were feeling tired and you just felt like you needed to rest. You were unenthusiastic. You were exhausted. What happened next? So, gee, let's see. Uh, why, <laughs> wild adventure in suit. The basic <laughs> thing was we decided that I would go ahead and leave my job and start a business. Because, of course, we were not the most best idea is to start a business, right? Right. Mm -hmm. The it's least per perfect timing. Maggie. The least stressful thing that you could possibly do <laughs> is like become every department in an organization when you're not feeling well. Uh, but that's what we decided <laughs> for better or worse. It's better now. So everyone, you know, don't worry all is well. This is just the middle of the story. So we decided that we'd do that. And then I really did take a while to sort of regroup. And I took a couple of months just like literally off, off, where I just was kind of getting my bearings and, and sleeping and going to the doctor, you know, those kinds of things. And then little by little, I it's kind of been a journey, really. I think it's been three and a half years, maybe four years, where now I feel... I mean, I have a full coaching schedule and I work with the same passion and intensity that I worked before, but without the burnout and with much better boundaries and much better, just a, a, a better way of looking at life where things are not urgent all the time. Yeah. When you wrote to me, you initially said, you know, I was in a 24 seven industry and I didn't manage my boundaries well. So it, so what it sounds like to me is now to keep burnout at bay, one of the things that you maintain and focus on is boundaries. 
Yeah. And when I talk about boundaries, it's really like organizing my time in a way that there's time for rest and there's a time for work and there's a time for fun, like really being where I am and I am there Mm -hmm. is one of it. One of the things, and here's something that happened to me in the middle was I had a massive resistance to resting massive. I would judge myself and I would be unkind (laughs) to myself. And so I'm a very type A person. And up to that point in my life, you know, success came from pushing through, right? Right. So if that's how you're used to accomplishing things, then you, of course, you just push through. That's what you do. And it really took, I think, you know, a lot of self-coaching and a lot of focus and a lot of redirecting myself towards it's safe to rest. Mm. It's safe to rest. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that need that message. I for sure needed it. I I was like, no, 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 no. We must push through. (laughs) And I had like the two little conversations in my head. And then my body just said, no, you're resting. That's happening. So yeah, we're not doing this anymore. And where do you think that came from? Like what this need to push through? What was that about? I mean, I think, so I grew up with a single mom raising by herself where I really grew up in a situation where I knew that anything I would achieve in life, I'd have to like really my mentality about it was I'd have to work hard for it. Right. Okay. And so, and so I did, right. I went out into the world and I worked hard and I succeeded and that kind of stuff. And to retrain my brain that I could work smarter, that I could work differently, that I could approach things with creativity and not run myself to the ground and yet be successful. That was like a whole retraining of or reprogramming my brain, so to speak. And did you reprogram using coaching techniques? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, the type of coaching that I do is uh, cognitive behavioral, like derivative. Mm-hmm. So we look at how your thoughts impact your feelings, impact your actions and impact your results. Yeah. So to, to take us through that. So ask me. <laughs> so take us through that. So so I'm coming to you and I'm telling you that I can't rest because I'm not going to be successful if I don't rest. And I feel like success only comes to people who are pushing through and, and putting their head down and keep on, like they keep on keeping on. And if I stop, like everything's going to fall apart. I'm not going to be successful. I'm going to be a laughing stock. Yeah. Yeah, so all of those thoughts that I'm sure all of your listeners have all the time are optional. And I didn't, I mean, I knew that intellectually because my coach training taught me that, but I wasn't fully aligned with that until I practiced it really deeply on myself. And how do, what does that practice look like? So when I think I'm going, I'm not going to be successful if I don't rest, that feeling that gets produced when I think that is probably something like stress or worry or anxiousness, right? And then the action that I might take when I'm feeling anxious is overwork, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the result that I produce is like I produce some measure of success, but it's always combined with this anxiousness and worry and that kind of thing. 
And then what you start doing is you start questioning those thoughts. Like, is that true? And does it serve me? And what, one of the things that I ask all the time to myself, to my clients is what else is also true? So sometimes we're really, really married to our story, right? It's like, no, but I'm not going to be successful. Like, I must not, you know, I can't rest right now, right? Like, we believe that that's true. And so we look for ways to loosen the grip. So to loosen the grip, it's like, I literally put in my office on, I have a whiteboard, and it says, it's safe for me to work less and earn more. Mm. And so it's safe for me to work less and earn more. So what happens when I think that thought is the feelings of anxiousness becomes calm. And then the action that I take is like, oh, if it was safe for me to work less and earn more, what would I do today? How would I approach what I'm working on? How would I approach what I'm doing? And then my result changes as well. So you can use that before you start an action. What if you're already caught up in it? So you had this sort of thought, oh my God, I need to push through. And you had this anxiety and you started working, but you catch yourself. Yeah. You interrupt yourself and do it again in the moment. So one of the things that I teach, I help wives who are burned out in their marriages and I teach them this concept of do-overs, mm-hmm. which is that you can have a do-over anytime, even in the middle of an activity. You don't have to wait until it's over <laughs> and regret having done it and say, oh, I think I don't want to do this this way. Can I have a do-over? And what's really fun is when I teach my, my clients are mostly women and then they'll come to a session and they'll say, oh, my husband asked for a do-over today. I'm like, that's how we know the coaching is working. When he starts asking for one, you're on track. So if I'm in the middle of it, I ask and I feel what happens is I start to feel something, right? I feel unsettled. I feel the flutter in my tummy, either my body or my mind. It starts to give me some kind of signal. Then I can pause and say, okay, wait, hold on. What's motivating this? Is this what I need to be doing right now? And one of the things that I use a lot, and you kind of have already heard me use, is power questions. And I call them power questions because they're special questions that are designed to return you to your own power. So I use them on myself. I use them on my clients. And one of the, another one I have on my whiteboard right now is how can I make this easier? Because my name is Maggie Reyes, and I will overcomplicate anything you present to me, Galen. Well, I apologize for pronouncing your name wrong before. Oh, no worries. No worries at all. I have been asking before podcasts, and I didn't with you, so I apologize. Oh, no, no worries. How can I make this easier is one of my favorite questions as well. And what I think is interesting about what you're saying is that these are things that you knew intellectually beforehand and didn't necessarily implement, which I feel like is really popular right now because self-help is a huge thing and people are reading the books and people are, you know, they have the information, Mm -hmm. but this ties back into uh, a blog post that you have called why knowing what to do isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And you say in that blog post, my very first coach used to say, mm-hmm. to know and not do mm-hmm. is to not know. Mm-hmm. And then you wrote, read that again. Mm-hmm. To yeah. know and not do mm-hmm. is to not know. Mm-hmm. This, I love this. And you said the phrase had stuck with you for a long time. And after I read your blog post today while I was prepping for you, mm-hmm. I thought that's going to stick in my head for some time as well. 
Because if you know something and you're not doing it, there's something about the knowledge that you do not believe and or trust. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's, you don't actually know it. You don't believe that it's true. So people might be listening to mm-hmm. these power questions and listening to you say that you figured this out for yourself, mm-hmm. but then hearing also that you're naturally an enthusiastic person and naturally sort of a type A, like go for it kind of person. And they're saying, well, that worked for her, mm-hmm. but that's not me. Mm-hmm. I know that works, but Mm-hmm. Da, 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 right. This is something that um, my sister and I spoke about just this week because she decided to finally go off gluten. And, you know, I've been in Chinese medicine for years and years and years. And a lot of people need to get off wheat for whatever. I don't, is it gluten, not gluten? I don't care. Not the point. A mm-hmm. lot of people do better without it. We've had the conversation probably over a decade, you know, 900 times. She Mm -hmm. finally started doing it and she's blown away by how good she feels. Mm -hmm. She knew, Mm -hmm. but she didn't really know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So So I feel like people are stuck in the self-help thing that they're like reading the books and they're listening to things like this, but they're like, you know, it's not for me. And here's the thing is like, you can make a lot of progress in different areas and still not conquer one particular area, right? So even during that time, when I was working in stressful situations, I would ask myself power questions and that helped me manage all that stress, right? right. I, was, I was like, there are things you can apply in one way and then have a blind spot completely mm-hmm. in another way. And when my husband sat me down, it's like he helped me see my blind spot that I couldn't see for myself. And that's why it's so useful to even have a show like this and to hear us talking about our blind spots and what we discovered. Because if someone here is having a blind spot similar to mine, yes. <laughs> if you think it's similar to mine, it is. <laughs> I, think, I think the question, the power question at that moment becomes, are you using this for personal growth or are you using this as a coping mechanism for your life? Yeah. Yeah. And is it a coping mechanism that's helping you? Like, is it a positive, like, self-soothing technique? Or is it, like, something that's not working? That's helping you maintain the level of stress that you don't actually need. Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. This is something to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because we can take anything in our life and use it to help us grow or use it to keep us stuck. Mm. And if you looked at my life at the time that I was working in HR from the outside, you wouldn't think I was stuck. I was very successful. Things were going well. You know, I was well regarded in my team, you know, all of those things, Mm -hmm. but compared to what I'm capable of in my overall life, I was stuck. And, and just, how do you know the difference if somebody's listening and they're like, well, I'm not sure if I'm stuck. What is that? Like, how do you know? How do you know? So if you feel this anxiousness, like there's more to life and you're not sure what it is, this sort of quest feeling, a little rumbling where it feels good and nothing's exactly wrong, but something's missing and you can't quite put your finger on what it is. That's how you know there's more to explore. I don't know that I, that feeling has ever gone away for me. 
<laughs> yeah, and, so, and some people are natural explorers, so that'll yeah. be fine. Like that's yeah. okay. But for a lot of people, here's here's something that happened before, but it's kind of related in in a way. When I met my husband, I had this incredible sense of rightness. It was this feeling, like if you think right now of someone you really love a lot in the world or something that you love doing, if you love making art or if you love cooking or like something that just brings you to the present moment in a powerful way. When I met him, I had this incredible sense of rightness. And the moment that I felt that sense of rightness, I saw all the things in my life that didn't feel that way. Mm. And then I, that is part of the quest that set me my self-development eventually life coach school and I got certified as a coach and I coached and I went through all of these, you know, ups and downs. First thing that really like moved me powerfully was, oh, this is what rightness feels like. Oh, let me check my other areas in life and see if I feel this way in these areas. That's a pretty significant thing to do. How old were you when you met your husband? Oh my gosh. So I am 45 now. We've been married for 12 years. So we, we got married in our thirties. Okay. And I took aptitude tests. I mean, yeah. I was for real. <laughs> I was like, I need to figure this out. And he was just so amused and so supportive. And I went to workshops and I, you know, I was like, figure out, you know, what, what is my next chapter? What is that thing that feels like a completely aligned to who I am and, and what I want my life to be about. And it took me a while. Like one of the things I say is you can't microwave love and you can't microwave some of this stuff. This needs to be baked, fully baked in the oven. And it's like a turkey. It takes hours. Yeah. <laughs> and do you feel like, so, you know, we've, we've both gone through a program that's called B-School, right? And one of the things that Marie Forleo says throughout b-school is clarity comes from action yes so that that sense of rightness yeah. sometimes can only be found once you try something out i think a lot of people are waiting to take steps until they figure it out but but you don't figure it out until you take the steps caitlin you hit the nail on the head so perfectly yes a hundred percent yes you, I say you discover yourself in action. You discover mm. yourself. You figure out, do I like this? Do I not? Am I afraid? Am I afraid because it's new? Or am I afraid because it just doesn't go with who I am and who I want to be? When you're in the middle of the experiment, I think what happens to a lot of us, and this definitely happened to me, and if you're a perfectionist type A, like I have been in the past, I'm recovering, I'm recovering. <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. But if you're a perfectionist type A, then you're really screwed. Because then you're like, what <laughs> experimenting means I will make a mistake. And then everyone will know that I made a mistake. Yeah. And then, well, that would be the last thing that I would ever want to do is make mistakes and have everyone know that I'm making them. That would just be worse, right? Yeah. So if there's any element of that where there's that fear around that that's also another way to know that you're stuck and that you need to allow yourself to come with a beginner's mind yeah and a beginner's heart a lot of people also and this is my estimation my assumption yeah. confuse emotion with intuition because to me this statement that you used a sense of rightness this yeah. this internal knowing this to me is intuition it is not accompanied by 
-hmm. either excitement or fear or anger or, Mm -hmm. and I think that people assume sometimes if they fear something, Mm -hmm. then it must not be right for them. Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. I think we don't practice listening to ourselves deeply. And so we sometimes mix up the messages that we're getting. And I'm a big fan of Oprah. I grew up watching her and I always joke around that all roads lead to Oprah and Magdalene. <laughs> but one of the things that she used to say, and that really is kind of like, kind of like to know and not do is to not know. It just stuck with me forever. She said, your life speaks to you in whispers. And when you don't listen, it gets your life still keeps speaking to you and it gets louder and louder and louder until like a brick wall feels like it's falling on your head. And that's a little bit like the burnout journey. First we get tired. Then we say no to things. Then we might get cranky or we might withdraw and your life is speaking to you. All these little whispers are happening. And then one day, you know, you faint at work or your husband sits you down like happened to me or whatever. And then it's like that brick wall. And so what Oprah would say is, Get it on the whisper. Yeah, pay attention to the whispers. This is funny because my um, post from today, of course, now by the time this comes out, this is many months later, but the post on my Instagram today was about listening to the whispers. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's divine order. You're going to have to re- reshare that one when this comes out. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll go back. Yeah. yeah. So, but how do, especially if you are, the type A personality and the perfectionist, how do you learn to trust uh, trust a whisper? That is such a great question. There's a few things that you do. First, like I was telling myself it's safe for me to work less and earn more. You start looking for your desire. You just start connecting with your desire. Start looking, what is it that you desire? So many women that I talk to, I don't know if this happens to you, but they don't even know what they want anymore. It's like that. No, especially, I mean, you work with marriages, right? I think yeah. especially it's very common in marriage for women to do, um, divert decision-making to their husbands. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want anybody to be mad at me about that. It's something that I've done in my life. And so maybe I'm only talking about myself, but it is something that I've seen as a pattern in my patients as well. And you stop even knowing what yeah. it is that you want because you're waiting for somebody else's decision and or slash approval. Yeah. And it's not even to, that. Yes. To everything you said, I've seen that too, but I've also seen I'm prioritizing my kids. So my kids dictate my schedule, right? I'm prioritizing my relationships. So my relationship dictates my schedule because I want peace in the relationship. I'm prioritizing my parents-in-law, my cousins, the barbecue on Sunday. Right? I'm doing all of these things but do I really want to do those things? Right. Right. And so how you start trusting your intuition and listening to the whispers is when you really don't want to do the thing, you, you allow yourself. This is hard, Caitlin. This is why people work with people like you and me, because this is hard. You need help to do this, but you allow yourself to feel the discomfort of saying, no, I don't want to do that. And you allow yourself to disappoint someone else so you stop disappointing yourself. Yes. That's how you start. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun. It's not the sexy part of transformation. Like everybody's like, oh, they're so amazing. They're in a podcast. 
this is the fun part, right? Yes. The unsexy part is at 2 a.m. when you're like crying and you're like, I am not going to do that thing anymore. No more gluten. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're bringing it back to Oprah. She had a conversation with Brene Brown and she said, you know, you're never going to live a brave life without disappointing some people. So good. Oh, yes. You're never going to get there. And I think this is, I'm so happy that you said that because I think this is one of the things that really makes me crazy about the life coaching world. You could listen to our conversation and say, oh yeah, well, it's easy to just make that decision and and pretend like you're not going to feel anything. But what you're saying is, no, you're going to have to make the decision and it's going to suck. Yeah. I am, as you can tell, super transparent. (laughs) And I tell my clients, I'm like, this this part's not going to be fun. Let's just, you know, let's flow with it, right? We can help ourselves create safety around it. And here's what I tell people, like if someone's listening to us, they probably have some kind of burnout and they want to feel better. Yeah. And here's something that is my approach when I'm giving clients homework or when I'm even doing things in my own life. Think of a rubber band. The purpose in life of a rubber band is to stretch. When you pull it too far, it snaps. It can no longer fulfill its purpose. So the same thing with us humans. We say one small no that won't freak us completely out. A small one. That's where you start. You always want to feel like a stretch, but not a snap. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is what I liked about when I was reading through your website and some of your Instagram posts is this constant reminder for people that you share that this work is beautiful and necessary and helpful and uncomfortable. Yes. Right. And this is the point of this particular podcast, because I feel like there's too much noise in the life coaching world that is making us believe that if we just follow our hearts, the whole world will be fluffy clouds made of marshmallows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we can bounce on them like trampolines from one to the next through a perfectly blue sky and all the things will be beautiful always. Yeah. And what I talk about all the time is, listen, there's going to be a thunderstorm while you're on that cloud. And if you know how to manage your mind, you'll have an umbrella and you'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah, you'll figure it out. You can do this. You can do this. Is You know, Glennon Doyle always says, Glennon Milton always says, you know, I can, you can do hard things. Yeah. We can do hard things. Yeah. But retraining people to trust themselves to do hard things when you're not being forced to, like when you're still in school, there are certain skills that you have to attain in order to move to the next level. And mm-hmm. that's in everything from math to gym class. Mm-hmm. So you might not want to learn how to throw the ball, but you know, you have to lobster out of that shell because there, you don't have any other choice. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, mm-hmm. nobody's forcing you to do that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, especially if you work in, in a corporate environment or you're saying you were in recruitment in HR, mm-hmm. if you're in that kind of in- environment, unless you have somebody championing for you, you could very easily stay in the same role be- and then people get very comfortable with how good you are at it and they'll just leave you there forever. Mm-hmm. Nobody is forcing you to mm-hmm. break out of that shell and find a new home. Mm-hmm. So making that decision to choose discomfort Mm -hmm. for the value of growth is, I mean, to me, just real adulting. I love it. Hashtag real adulting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And what happens is most of us don't. 
Like most of us, yeah. when we get to that point, we do it because we're burnt out. Something went wrong. Our marriage is a mess. Something's happening. Our kids, you know, there's a problem. The gluten thing, you know, I have an allergy now or I'm not digesting well. Like most of us don't is, the, is, is really the, the true truth at this time. I hope because of shows like this that we get to help more people get it on the whisper instead of getting on, getting it on the brick wall. That's, all, that. that's always my hope. Right. But it's one of my coaches used to say it's, it's harder to grow. Actually, I've heard this said by several people. Now that I think about it, it's harder to grow from comfort from discomfort. It's easy. Something's wrong. I need to fix it. Okay. Let me go to Caitlin. Help me with your, you know, help me with your expertise. Help yeah. me through this. It's much harder to say, hey, you know, I think I'd like to improve. <laughs> yeah. I want to go from good to great. Very yeah. few people on earth really dedicate themselves to go from good to great. Yeah. And you, you have a quote um, by Vienna Farron on your, yeah. um, on your Instagram page that says, avoiding your triggers isn't healing. Healing happens when you're triggered and you're able to move through the pain, the pattern, and the story and walk your way to a different ending. Now, triggers, this word these days. Yeah. That triggers me. You need to stop. That's not the point, you guys. Right. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah. So what, one of the things that I teach is mind management, mm -hmm. which is remaining calm, maintaining your equanimity, no matter what is happening around you. And in the context of marriage, it's like your husband says something or doesn't say something. You're not going to hang your happiness on his mood, which is what most of us do most of the time. Our yeah. boss, whatever, whoever, our kids mood, our boss's mood, whoever's right mood. It's like, no, the whole point is I can be sovereign in my mind in my thinking and in my feeling, and I can choose what I'm going to think on purpose. And I'm going to think I'm okay, no matter what. And then I'm going to act like that's true. Yeah. And if I find myself veering away from that, I'll stop and do what you were saying before. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll do it. I'll, can I have a do over? Can I have a do over? Yeah. So simple. So powerful. Not always easy. No, so, to, so simple, but not easy. Yeah. yeah. That is like the theme. I probably, it's one of the themes that I talk about a lot is like, this is really simple, but then you have to be vulnerable then you have to say, Caitlin, you know, I'm not so happy with how I showed up. Can I have a do-over? Can I do it better? You have to you open yourself to the other person saying, you know, yes or no. Simple, but not easy. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the things that I think also holds people back from being successful in jobs like the ones that we have. Mm -hmm. Because when you're doing this on a regular basis, it feels like the things that we're saying should be so obvious. Mm -hmm. And if this is so easy, why would people pay me for it? Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's simple, but it is not easy. And we do need support to get through this. I didn't learn these things without support. Yeah. You know, like I didn't get here without help. Yeah, none of us. None of us did. I didn't get here without help. That's not how any of this works. But I, I think it's common in the world of, of coaches to feel like, but this is, I mean, this is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, something else that's common is it sounds so simple. And when you do it for yourself, you think it's because for some people it's easier than others. You think because it's, it may have been easier for you 
does someone else really need help with that? And, they, and the right. answer is yes. It, even if it was easy for you, someone yeah. does need help with that. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. And that's something that I personally have had to work through. Mm-hmm. I've been in the world of life coaching since 2009. So it's 10 full years already. Mm-hmm. And still, mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of that. Mm-hmm. And also because I have been very lucky with mm-hmm. patients in my practice, I use Chinese medicine um, and coaching sort of sometimes mixed and sometimes separately, depending on what people need. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had such intelligent people. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes even those very intelligent people who I adore, mm-hmm. I'll say something that I think is yes. just so obvious and they'll look at me like, ding. Yes. 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 A hundred percent. Right. That's when you know something's changing. A hundred percent. So one of the things I teach my clients, super simple, listen to this, listen to how hard this is. Okay. <laughs> no complaining, no defending. Oh, it's, it's so, so I trained at the life coach school. They train weight coaches. So I'm surrounded by weight loss coaches all the time. And they're always talking about no flour and no sugar and all, you know, how to rebalance your body and all these things. And I sat down one day and I said, well, what is the marriage equivalent of no flour, no sugar? If I was going to have something so simple that you could really rebalance your relationship just from doing that, what would that be? And I thought, oh, I know. (laughs) No complaining, no defending. Remove that from your relationship. And I talk about marriage a lot, but remove that from any relationship, whether it's your boss, your cousin, your friend, whoever. Remove those two things. And if you have no complaining and no defending and there's still issues in that relationship, now you know what you need to work on. Yeah, it becomes very obvious. becomes very obvious. How would you tell people? Because I often find that people don't know when they're being defensive. Okay, this is how I would tell people. You know that feeling you get when someone cuts you off in traffic and you see red? (laughs) If you get that feeling when you're talking to someone that you love, it's likely you're going to, your first instinct is going to be to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. That moment when you feel that seeing red feeling, it actually has a name. It's called flooding. And there is something physiological happening in your body. There are chemicals being released. Caitlin could tell you what they are. I don't know. But we could go into a whole, we could into a whole show on that. Yeah. On that. But that, that something's actually happening. And it's the worst time to problem solve. <laughs> worst time. It's like when you're, you're seeing red, you're not thinking clearly. You, you, your primitive brain is taken over and your, your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that can make clear decisions, is not in charge at that moment. It's likely you're going to go into defense in that moment. So if you're not sure, most people know. At least the clients I work with are like, oh, yeah, that was kind of defensive. Right? Like, they yeah. know. But if you don't, if you really don't know, when you, when you have that seeing red moment and whatever you speak after that moment is likely, highly, highly likely to be a defense. And the question I usually get after that is, well, what do I do instead? I mean, shouldn't I? defend myself isn't that the right thing to do and here's what I ask my clients I just talked about this with someone right before our call it's like here's what I want you to ask yourself is it working have a bias just for efficiency when you defend yourself 
Are you highly successful at doing that and getting the things to go the way they should go? Most people are going to say no, right? It doesn't work. It's not effective. So have a bias towards efficiency. And then what you do instead is you bring your curiosity to the table. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my intention. I didn't realize that's what was happening. You know, tell me, tell me more. Simple things like that. Yeah, curiosity is my favorite. I have um, posts about the fact that, you know, there's all in this world of spirituality, there, you know, love is the cure to everything. And I have a post that, you know, love is not the antidote to anger. Curiosity is. Oh, I love that, Caitlin. Curiosity is the antidote to anger. Oh, that's so, I've never heard it said in that such a beautifully succinct way. I love that. That needs to be in the show notes. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> like, we must, we must. Curiosity <laughs> is the antidote to anger. That is so good. That is so, so, so good. And this thing, this is something that I carry with me because my tendencies my whole life were to be very defensive of myself. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned with what people were thinking all the time. So the minute I assumed that they were, you know, a little bit off from the image that I had projected for them to mm-hmm. notice and, and recognize and praise, if mm-hmm. I'm going to be totally honest, mm-hmm. I would immediately go to defensiveness. And when I started doing this curiosity, I do a word of the year. Mm-hmm. I you do. Know, too. And, yeah. yeah. So 2015 was curiosity. Ooh. Oh, that's juicy. And my mm-hmm. whole year was about curiosity. And I started really paying attention to that. And I started noticing that most of the time I was assuming that people were inferring things that they weren't. Mm-hmm. It's just simply like I was putting thoughts and feelings into other people's lives that never existed. Mm-hmm. And I would have never learned that had I never adopted curiosity. I, and I'm not saying I do it successfully all the time, you guys. <laughs> yeah, we're, listen, we're real, people. We, we're real people who have messy moments. Yes, yes, I definitely have messy moments. And I think you should create grace for more messy moments when you're in a particularly stressful time. You're, you know, your youngest child's just got sick and you have to go to the hospital every day for six months. You know, you might have some worse days. Like, yeah, fine. Totally. You know, fine. But if you know the principles and you can continue to come back to them, that's the only thing that matters. It's not about living in them perfectly all the time. It's about having the safe space to land in where you know if you pay attention and follow your emotions and get curious about what's happening, that you can transform the situation and take the next step. Yeah, and here's the thing is the situation will happen, right? Because then like good and bad comes rolled up into one all the time. Yeah. The thing is for most of us, the situation happens and it stops us. It just stops us. It just derails us from whatever it is that we truly want or whatever it is that who we want to be in the world. What happens when you use the tools that Caitlin is teaching and the self-coaching like I'm talking about is it can happen, but it won't stop you. It might slow you down a little, right. but it won't stop you. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing to say. Maggie. Yes. I feel like we could probably go on. 
for about two hours. <laughs> You're going to just have to ask me back, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, that, that's totally okay with me. But before we go, I do want you to talk a little bit about the fact that you are helping women to shift it, shift their marriages by focusing on themselves and by taking the focus away from changing your partner. Can you just give us a, you know, a five minute sort of intro into what you do, why you're focusing in a, on that way and the sort of success you see in those situations? Absolutely. Sure. First of all, it's my pleasure. This has been such a deep and rich conversation. So thank you. Thank you. So here's the deal. There's a concept, there's a, there's a theory in psychology called systems theory, which is when one element of a system changes, the other elements in the system adapt to that change. Sounds pretty, again, simple, not easy, but simple. And I work with individuals instead of couples, largely because that theory speaks to my soul. What I've, and I've worked with people where they've gone to counseling and it kind of has gone like that. And listen, let me be clear. There's times when counseling is absolutely the most appropriate thing to do. And I highly encourage it. And sometimes I give it for homework. So it's not that counseling isn't effective overall. It's that in some cases you go to counseling, you sit there in front of each other and you know, the counselor with all the best intentions tries to help you like validate each other and whatever it is that you're upset about. And then you go home and you argue about it. That is not helpful. And I've heard that versions of that story in so many different ways that, you know, when I decided to leave HR and start my coaching practice, I was like, I'm going to work with individuals and we're going to do it differently. So what I teach is personal responsibility and self-validation. So sexy, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) So hot. (laughs) Those things, right? And I say, paradoxically, you will have more and better sex when you do those two things. So it is actually, in, in real life, it's actually super sexy. <laughs> the beginning of it isn't, right? So what happens is, what, the reason I, I do it this way is like so many women are trying to control what their partner's doing so they can feel better. And they think, well, if I can control what he's doing, then I'll feel good. And that's just a recipe for disaster. You can never control another person. It just doesn't work. Let's have a bias towards efficiency, right? That's, that's how my brain works. So it's like, what does work? Well, when I control my reactions, when I ask myself powerful questions, when I show up differently, when I stop complaining and defending, I can control that 100%. And if I stop complaining and I stop defending and then I don't engage, like I don't start half of the fights I would have started, guess what? My relationship changes. Just like that. Right. Simple, not easy. Simple, not easy. Yeah. So that's kind of the core. That's like the sort of five minute. (laughs) It was perfect. Okay, good, good. It was perfect. I loved it. And kind of starting from the beginning and doing a, a quick summary, you know, you found yourself in a place where your natural personality was just not present. Mm-hmm. And you were saying no to things just so that you could rest. You had convinced yourself that you had adrenal fatigue. Yes. Right? <laughs> I WebMD'd myself into that one. <laughs> right. And, and a lot of your healing from that came from things like power questions and coaching and things like that. But a huge part of it was creating time boundaries. So that you could be present 
in each place where you were. And now when you honor those time boundaries, you're able to save yourself from burnout, enjoy your work, and then enjoy your home because they're not smashed together. Yes. Yes. So if there's somebody that feels dimmed and you want to tell them one thing that they could do today, Mm-hmm. What would you tell them to do? I would tell them to pause and breathe <laughs> and ask themselves, is this really the ultimate life I want to be living? I would tell them that one of my favorite quotes is from a, a gentleman named Samuel Johnson. It's probably from the 18 or 1900s. And he said, to be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. And I would ask them to think about that and to see if they're happy at home because that's the reason they're doing all the things in the first place. And then follow the nudges that come from that answer. Listen to the whispers that come when they think about that idea. Can you say that quote for us one more time, please? Yeah, absolutely. To be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. Well, I think that that is a beautiful place to finish. Maggie Reyes, thank you so much for sharing your shine and your light that is definitely not dim today with all of us. Thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for creating a space where we could have these deep conversations about what it's really like, not just to have burnout, but to come out of burnout. Thank you. I'm so, so glad that I've had the opportunity to do it. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. You can find all of Maggie's information in her show notes that will be at friedtheburnoutpodcast.com. If you found things in this particular episode that resonated with you, please share it with your friends and family so that they can find the pieces that resonate with them. Ask yourself some power questions. And if you get stuck, get in touch with Maggie so that she can help you along. Until next time. Ha 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 